All right. Thank you, Ben. Uh, I want to, first of all, start by saying thank you to uh, the Reverend Jeff Harris. Uh, thank you so much for preaching for me last Sunday while I was uh, leading the group in Israel. And thank you for all of your prayers. Those of you who are praying for us, we certainly felt and appreciated it and had a wonderful experience. We'll share more with you about that at a later time. And Jeff last week preached on God's purposes of grace, which really ties into the earlier sermon on the doctrine of salvation. Well, today's message also ties in to an earlier conversation we had about the doctrine of the church and to our guests. Uh, I've been preaching through the Baptist faith and message. What do we as Southern Baptists, as Georgia Baptists, what do we believe? And, and how are these doctrines, how do they make a difference in our lives? And they truly do make a difference in our lives. And today's Maybe the shortest of all of the statements in the Baptist Faith and Message, but it is one that we're going to have to really work to unpack this morning. So let's dive in and look at what the Baptist Faith and Message says about the Lord's Day. The first day of the week is the Lord's Day. It is a Christian institution for regular observance. It commemorates the resurrection of Christ from the dead and should include exercises of worship and spiritual devotion, both public and private. Activities on the Lord's Day should be commiserate, with the Christian's conscience under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Ben mentioned some strange laws in the states. How many of you remember some of the blue laws that used to be on the books? You know what I mean? By blue laws, some of you do. Um, for those of you that don't know, those were some laws that, that existed that basically restricted what you could and couldn't do on a Sunday. What you could and couldn't buy or sell on a Sunday. And those laws, I think, hung around longer in the south than anywhere else and Probably some of the most recent ones to, to go by the wayside are the ones related to alcohol consumption and sales on Sundays. And some people still hold to a very strict observance of what you can and can't do on Sunday. And that begs the question, is the Lord's Day just a Christianized Sabbath day? Or is it something else entirely different? Are we as New Testament Christians bound to keep the Sabbath laws as the, as the Israelites were under the Old Covenant. What does the Bible have to say about worshiping on the first day of the week? So I want us to answer these questions. And we need to begin by going back to the Old Testament, going back to the Sabbath day. What is the Sabbath day? Well, the Sabbath day is a day of rest. It's a day of rest. God told the Israelites in the Ten Commandments that they needed to observe the Sabbath day, remember it and keep it holy. You've got six days to do your work. The Sabbath is to be a day of rest. But the Sabbath day goes back even further than just the Mosaic law. We heard in our Old Testament reading, it goes all the way back to creation. The last thing God created was a day of rest. The seventh day was to be a day of rest. In fact, that's what Sabbath means. And it comes from the Hebrew word for the number seven because it was on the seventh day that God rested from all of His creating. Now, does that mean that God wore Himself out in creation and He just needed to take a day off to recuperate? No, of course not. God didn't create the Sabbath day for Himself. He created it for us. In fact, Jesus says this in Mark 2, 27. Jesus is talking to some of those Pharisees that were upset. He was healing and doing things like that on the Sabbath day. And He said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the day of rest is for our benefit because God knows that we are limited creatures. We have finite resources. We have to refuel three times a day. Some of us maybe a little more than three times a day have to, have to refuel. 
We have to power down every night. And we need a weekly rhythm of working six and resting one day. We need these things to keep ourselves healthy and balanced physically and spiritually and emotionally. Even Jesus took regular time to get away from the crowd, to get away from His busy ministry and to rest and pray and spend time with His Father. He would even, you know, you'd have a town and all these sick people would be coming to Him. There were times Jesus would literally leave sick people at the door to get away, to rest and pray and to recharge with His Father. And if Jesus, being God in human flesh, had to know how to stop working and get away and rest, don't you think you and I need to do the same thing? The question that comes up most when we think about the Sabbath is when is it? Is it Saturday? Or is it Sunday? Or is it Friday? What day is it? Well, it doesn't necessarily matter what day as long as we take a regular day to try to get away and to rest and to interrupt the rhythm of our week, to recharge Now, Jews observe Sabbath, or they call it Shabbat in the Hebrew. It's Shabbat. They observe that from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Uh, Our Israel group got to experience this while we were over there. And on the Sabbath day, uh, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday is when they observe that. And you think some of the blue laws in the United States were strict. Ain't got nothing on the laws they have in Israel about that. I mean, they even have a special button on the elevator so that the elevator on the Sabbath day just goes from floor to floor to floor and it just stops at every floor on the Sabbath day so you don't have to do the work of pushing a button. That's how strict they are about this. There was a young man on our return flight, some of us you might have heard, got left behind. I thought, man, it's too bad I'm not preaching on the second coming today because I could talk about being left behind. It's not a pleasant experience. So some of us were left behind in Miami, and with our group was a young Jewish man, a teenager who had been studying in Israel for eight months. He was going home in Atlanta, and he was concerned about getting as early a flight as possible. Why? Because his dad couldn't drive after sundown to pick him up at the airport. That's how strict they are about observing the Sabbath day. And this brings us to our conundrum. Is Sunday, the Lord's Day, just a Christian version of the Sabbath day? Well, listen, you won't find a single time in all the New Testament where the followers of Jesus are commanded to rest on Sunday. Not once is that command given. In fact, the early church in Jerusalem and in other Christian church, uh, Jewish Christians throughout the ancient world, they would often observe the Sabbath day on Saturday and come together with other Christians to worship on Sunday. And of course, after the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., the, the church kind of lost a lot of its Jewish roots, and and the Sabbath day on a Saturday was part of that. But even in Paul's day, Paul had to combat those who wanted to Judaize the church. There were a faction of Jews and Jewish Christians that were saying that, look, before you can be a follower of Jesus, you've got to follow the Mosaic Law. Basically, you've got to be a Jew before you can be a Christian. Which is why Paul wrote things like this in Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Now this is why the the Baptist faith message ends with a statement that says, Activities on the Lord's Day should be commensurate with the Christian's conscience under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's referring back to what Paul is doing here, helping churches in places like Colossae and Rome 
to, to deal with this tension. And, and Paul emphasizes our freedom in Christ. As Christians, we have liberty. We're not bound by the Old Testament law. We're under the new covenant instituted by Jesus on the cross. And as we've talked about several times before, we are not saved by works, but by God's grace through faith. But, Paul, in talking about Christian liberty, Paul emphasized that we have to remember that each of us are answerable to God for our actions. And we have to love one another in ways that seek to build up those who are weaker in the faith and not be a stumbling block. So we must follow the Spirit's leading in our lives, living with a clear conscience before God and seeking to build up those around us, not cause them to stumble. And that's what brings Paul to this passage in Romans chapter 14, verses 5 through 9. Paul writes, One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Now, Paul doesn't say that either one of those are right or wrong. Instead, he says, Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day, observes it to the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. Whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it, and he gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say, Why do you then judge your brother or sister? What Paul is saying here is, look, whether you want to fast or feast, whether you want to eat a kosher diet or have all the bacon and sausage you want. I'm in that camp. Uh, Listen, that was one thing. We had bacon for breakfast yesterday morning, and it was so glorious and good. Because you can't get that in Israel. And Paul says whether you want to observe the Sabbath day or not, whether you want to observe it on Saturday or Sunday, he says it doesn't matter so long as you're doing it to the Lord to honor Him, not to please anyone else, not to try to earn His favor, but just out of your love for Him. So should Christians observe a day of Sabbath rest or not? Well, I want you to consider two essential ways that we can understand Sabbath from a Christian perspective. The first is to remember that the Sabbath was a command for the Jews to follow. Christians were never commanded to observe the Sabbath. In fact, of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment on the Sabbath day is the only one not repeated in the New Testament. It's the only one. Neither Jesus, Paul, or any New Testament writer ever commands a Christian to keep the Sabbath day. Now, the author of Hebrews tells us why this is in chapter 4. He says that the Sabbath day commanded in the law of Moses found its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. That's what Paul was saying about all these feasts and festivals and Sabbath days. They're shadows pointing to the reality who is Jesus. Now that Jesus has come, Jesus has accomplished the work on the cross we could never do. Jesus kept the law we could never keep. We break the law, Jesus kept the law. Therefore, Jesus is the one in whom we rest. We rest in His grace. We rest in His mercy. We rest in the work that He accomplished on the cross on our behalf. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So Christians are never commanded to a Sabbath rest. Jews were. Not Christians. But secondly, even though Sabbath isn't a command for us, I believe Sabbath is a gift. And it's a gift for all people. Remember, Jesus said that Sabbath was made for man. 
Psalm 127 too tells us that in vain we get up early, we stay up late, we work hard to have enough food. But God, He gives sleep to the ones that He loves. God gives rest. We work hard. God wants to give us rest. God, our Father, loves to give His children good gifts. And who doesn't love the gift of time, right? The time to take a nap. The time to rest. The time to unwind and get away from the daily grind. The time to be with family and friends doing what we want. Time to unplug. Who doesn't love that kind of a gift? But it's a gift that we all too often take for granted. You know, we've got so many devices and technologies that are meant to save us work and save us time, but doesn't it feel like we have less time and work harder now more than ever? You know, I think about during the pandemic, take for just a minute, put yourself back in April or May of 2020. Remember remember the 14 days to to flatten the curve? (laughs) It kind of turned into two years, you know? One of the things I heard the most during that time from people was how nice it was to slow down. Right? Our our calendars were cleared overnight. We had time to take a walk with our kids in the neighborhood and get to know our neighbors. Imagine that. We had time to get some projects done around the house, time to enjoy one another's company, and unfortunately it didn't take us very long to get right back to being stretched thin and overscheduled, did it? Because so many things in this world pull us toward busyness. We need more money. We want more recognition. We want more achievement and accomplishments. There's the fear of missing out. These things keep us busy. Listen, just because we're not legally bound to keep the Sabbath day doesn't mean that we don't need and shouldn't take regular times of rest. As I said earlier, Sabbath rest is an acknowledgement that we need it, that we need to rest and be refueled and recharged. We are God's creatures, meaning we have needs. We are finite. We are dependent. We don't have limitless resources. He does because He's God. We do not. So whether you observe a time of rest or a change of pace on a Sunday or a Saturday or what day, there are some real benefits and blessings we can enjoy from a time of rest. The first is rest for our bodies. Remember when Abby was younger, Abby's never liked going to bed. She doesn't want to go to sleep. I don't either. I'm a night person. I want to stay up and enjoy the day as much as I can. But she had a children's book and it said, God made our bodies to need rest. We thank you, God, for giving us sleep. That's a reminder I need. It's a reminder a lot of us need. We are not the energizer bunny. We can't just keep going and going and going. The Gospels tell us Jesus took time to rest. Remember the story where he even fell asleep in a boat? I saw a meme, and I love this meme. It says, Jesus took naps in boats. Be more like Jesus. I like that. There is a biblical basis for that Sunday afternoon nap. But secondly, it recharges our emotions. You know, I need a day to recharge my emotions. You know, some of us, we have jobs that are kind of mentally laborious. They, they wear on our emotions, and it's easy to be drained by that. And, and so, and, and, and today, all of us, we're in such a hurry, and there's so much news out there to worry us and stress us out and wear us down. We need to be emotionally recharged. And I, I want to give you quick two ways we can experience that emotional recharging. One is through quiet time. Quiet time. In the, in, the, in the shepherd psalm, Psalm 23, it says that He leads us by quiet, still waters and restores our soul. There's some connection between quietness and the restoration of our souls. Our days are so filled with noise. 
It's so easy to get distracted and overwhelmed. And it's hard to find a time and a place, especially preschool parents. It's hard to find a time and a place to be quiet, right? Quiet can be so elusive for us. But Isaiah 30, 15 tells us that in quietness and confidence, we find God's strength. Psalm 46, 10 tells us to be still, to stop striving and know that He is God. We need to schedule periods of quiet time in our lives to get alone to God, with God, to listen to Him, to talk with Him. Jesus said in Mark 6, 31, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And that was because they were so busy. There were so many needs around them. He knew that he and his disciples needed to get away and to be recharged. And this isn't something just to do one day a week. We need quiet time with God every single day in his word, in prayer. But secondly, we need family time. You know, for most of American history, Sunday was a time for two things. It was time for church and family. And I think that's still a good idea. God wants you to plan something special with your family, to do something with them that will draw you together to rest and relax and have fun with your family. Listen, that's not a waste of time. Because time with family is important. God tells us we need it. In Ecclesiastes 9.9, it encourages husbands, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Proverbs 17.22 reminds us that a cheered heart is good medicine. Now, as a part of our commitment to you as families, part of our commitment to First Baptist Church is to help you experience quality time as family. We've got our Faith at Home Resource Center in the atrium. We've got it online. And you'll always find there some card, some activity that you can do with your family that will build good memories, that will draw you closer together. So I'm going to encourage you, maybe even this afternoon, do something as a family. Be together. Enjoy a Sunday drive. Or maybe something less expensive, like a Sunday walk. But, but do something together as a family. And family time can and should include time with God's family. Listen, I, I can speak for Julia and I. You are our family. You are very much our family. And we need to spend time together with our church family, to be emotionally recharged, to, to have that accountability and that care. And that brings us to a third benefit of a dedicated time of rest, but more importantly, it leans us into the true meaning of Sunday as the Lord's Day. We've talked about the Sabbath day as a day of rest, but the Lord's Day is a day of resurrection. In short, the Lord's Day, yes, it should be a break from our normal weekly pattern. It can include intentional times of rest, but it is not the same thing as a New Testament Sabbath. Because Sabbath is about rest, the Lord's Day is about resurrection. Ben already mentioned this. Every Sunday is like a mini Easter. It was on the first day of the week that Jesus broke the bonds of death and raised up from that grave never to die again. And that's amazing because when you think about it, the last day of creation, God created a day of rest. But what did God make on the first day of creation? Light. And so it was on the first day of the week that the light of Jesus Christ overcame the darkness of death. And life burst forth from that grave. That's why we worship on Sundays. That's why this is the perfect day for followers of Jesus Christ to worship Him. And in the New Testament, we see that. Throughout the New Testament, we see this transition from Sabbath day to Sunday, to this day of Christian worship. And the example of the early church shows us there's no better way to begin our week than to worship the one who died for our sins and rose victorious from the grave. 
worshiping together on Sunday, like Sabbath rest, yes, it can help us recharge our emotions. The author of Hebrews tells us that we should gather together to encourage one another. We need that encouragement. We need to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Because, listen, we can get burned out in serving God just as much as we can in working for our paychecks, can't we? And when we spend time together as a church family in fellowship and in worship, it can recharge us and help us to continue to love and do good deeds throughout the week. That's why David says in Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. David looked forward to that because there's a rejuvenation that comes when you spend time worshiping the Lord with His people. We need each other. We need to encourage each other, to inspire and challenge each other. But beyond that emotional recharging, there's a special benefit that comes when we worship together on the Lord's day, and that's that it refocuses our heart. It refocuses our heart. Quiet time, time with family, those those are great, those are important, but the most essential thing we need is to focus our mind's attention and our heart's affection on our Creator and our Savior. And that's why Sunday worship is essential for our spiritual health and well-being. You know, your car needs regular tune-ups, doesn't it? To keep those pistons firing. You you need to occasionally get your, your, your wheels aligned, right? Or else your car's not going to work well. We need spiritual tune-ups on a regular basis. We need to have our hearts realigned because we go through life and we hit so many spiritual road bumps and potholes and we're bumping together with other people throughout the week. And when that happens, we can get out of balance and out of alignment. And worship helps to draw us back and focus our hearts and minds on the Lord God. So it's not good enough just to take a day to care for your physical and emotional needs, to rest and recreate. You know, recreation, that's the word recreation. But if if that's all we're doing is resting and, 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 and recreating, we're missing out on the most important thing, on the eternal matters, those parts of us that last forever. Listen, we've turned Sunday into fun day. We've turned a holy day into a holiday. But if all you ever do is work and play, then pretty soon you're going to start thinking that working and playing is all there is to life. There's so much more. We forget the things of God, the things that matter, the things that will never fade or fail. Jesus says in Mark 8, 36, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? That's a question that God wants you to ask every day but especially on that day of worship. Sunday is a day we can come together and say, what have I exchanged the past seven days for? What what am I getting in return for the time that I'm spending? The 168 hours I've just spent of my life, what am I getting in return for that? And He wants us to stop and re-examine our priorities. He wants us to to re-evaluate and to regroup, to tune into Him, to get our perspective right and our priorities straight. I need that every seven days, and I bet you do too. Now, let me take a moment and speak to the dads in here today. Dads, if you want a a simple, practical way to be the spiritual leader in your home, here's what you do. Be faithful to have your family in worship on Sunday. It's simple, but it's powerful. It's an example that you can set 
It's a value that you can model for your children that will impact them for the rest of their lives. Values aren't taught so much as they are caught. And they are caught when we model them. Moms and dads, when we model for our children the value of worship. Because every time you say, you know what, we're not going to go to church today. We're tired today. We've got some yard work we need to get done. We were up late last night watching the game. We're just not going to go today. Every time you do that, you are modeling inconsistency to your children. And you're making them wonder what is more important in life, work or worship? Golf or God? Playing or praying? Jesus said that He came that we might have life and have it to the full. God wants us to be able to play golf at times. He wants us to have fun and to play. He he created us to work. But we've got to balance those six days with a day to come together to focus primarily on worship and prayer and being with Him. When you do it God's way, you benefit in every way. So I want to leave us with three questions to, to evaluate ourselves this morning. The first is, am I worshiping God personally and privately every day? It's not just a Sunday thing. Every day God wants us to spend time with Him. Psalm 119.64, the psalmist said, Seven times a day I praise you and your righteous law. Both in Judaism and ancient Christianity, they had set times to pray throughout the day. But but whether you're praying at set times or just as the Spirit moves you, what matters is that you're taking time every day to be with God. To bear your request to Him. To give Him thanksgiving and praise. To confess your sins and ask Him to forgive you. To lift up the people around you and their needs to Him in prayer. I encourage you to use a Bible reading plan and, and be consistent. There's something powerful when your children see and know that you are reading God's Word and you are praying. Secondly, Am I leading my family in regular times of worship? Not just every Sunday, but every day. Do your children hear you pray? Do you sing praise and worship songs together? Are you reading God's Word together? There's no better way to instill in your child the value of and love for regular time with God than for them to see you do it yourself. And third question is, how committed am I to worshiping with the gathered people of God on the Lord's Day? Because together... We can remind each other of the goodness and greatness and grace of God. We can hold each other accountable. We can help each other remove our masks and be genuine. And we can point out blind spots to one another. We can encourage each other that no matter how tough things may be today, they will come to pass and God will see us through. Again, the writer of Hebrews, let's look at this whole verse. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Can you not see how quickly that day is approaching? We are getting closer every day. And I think now more than ever, believers need each other. We need the church. We must not give up meeting together. That should have been a lesson we also learned from COVID. The value of being able to come together as a church in one place and worship together. Listen, failing to gather to worship with God's people will never strengthen your faith. It will never instill a greater love for God and the church in your children. It will never increase your fellowship with God's family. Becoming irregular in corporate worship only isolates 
and discourages and distracts you from God and His call on your life. We must consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds as we meet regularly together to worship, to pray, to fellowship, to serve, to study. That's what the church is about. That's what the Lord's Day is about. We worship the one who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He perfectly kept the law that you and I could not. He died the death that you and I deserve that we might be the righteous children of God. Is that not something worth celebrating and worshiping every week? The grace and mercy of God, He does not treat us as we deserve. He treats us according to the goodness of Jesus Christ. Do you know that grace? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? It's simple. You acknowledge and admit you are a sinner. You do things your way. You ignore God's law. You hurt other people. You are selfish. We all are. You admit that. And you admit that there's nothing you can ever do to make up that sin to an infinitely holy God. And so you rest. You put your trust in what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. You ask Him to forgive you, to be your Lord and Savior, to come and live within you and help you be the person that God created you to be. If you've never done that, I invite you right now to come today and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have done that, but you've never made it public. You've never passed through the waters of baptism. We talked about it a few weeks ago. We've got a baptism Sunday coming up in a couple of weeks. I would love for that to be an opportunity for you to also publicly declare your faith in Jesus Christ. No matter when that faith began, if you've never been baptized, we invite you to come. Maybe God is calling you to unite with this church family. Whatever God is speaking to you right now in this moment, let's pay attention and let's be obedient. Let's stand together and pray, would you? Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for this day. Lord, it's, it's more than just a day to rest. We need that. We need regular times of rest. We need to be reminded that the world does not weigh on our shoulders. That, that we are not called to, to be all things to all people and, and fix everybody's problems. Lord, we are not the Savior. You are. And a day of rest reminds us of that. It takes so much pressure off of us and it helps us to trust in you more. To be our protector and our provider and our guide. But Father, beyond that, this is a day we celebrate your saving act through the person of Jesus Christ. The, the, the culmination of all of history on that cross and that empty tomb. And we remember that and we worship and praise you for it every single Sunday. We need that as much we need that as much as we need rest. We need that reminder that it's not by our works, but your grace that we are saved. Forgive us when we get our priorities out of alignment, when we put the cart before the horse, God. Help us to focus on you. Help us to have that discipline. Give us that desire to gather with your people so that our hearts would be glad when we hear it's time to go to the house of the Lord. Father, whatever you're speaking to our hearts right now, may we be attentive and obedient in Jesus' name. Amen.